What is up, everybody? This is the Sharp Angles podcast. I am Raven Summerlin. This is the Thursday preview edition for Wildcard Weekend, which I refuse to call Super Wildcard Weekend because that's that's absurd. It's been this way for a long time. Uh, we'll talk. You know what? I'm going to rant about that in a second. But first, I'm going to introduce Rich, Mr. Rich Trevar, here to talk about Wildcard Weekend. How are you doing, Rich? Oh, good, man. We made it. You know, hey, uh, 18 weeks down. This is kind of like a, a fun, not super weekend, I guess we could say. But uh, hey. no, just, uh, you know, I think I think last year, all all six games were rematches. And then this year, we only got three. I always like when we get new games. And obviously, we have one of the funnest ones that we could have had. But uh, it is nice to have three new games. We'll see if like the weather hurts this weekend or not. We have a huge weather week. But other than that, man, it's we're, we made it to the playoffs. It's supposed to be fun and enjoy it here. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think it will be fun. I uh, and the weather it seemed like it was going to be seemed like it was going to be worse. Like all three of the outdoor games would be affected. I think that Monday game is looking looking a little bit better. What I will say is I've been sick all week, and so there might be some old man yells about things happening. Like I when I get ill, like I just I immediately turn into a sixty seven year old man that talks about the depression a lot. Like that is that is where I am. And the Super Wildcard Weekend has annoyed me for a couple reasons. First of all, it's like you didn't need to rebrand it. Who knew? Like who's turning on wildcard games that hasn't watched the NFL all season? It's not like someone has never watched, has not watched the NFL all season doesn't know that there's extra wildcard games turns on the game and goes oh heavens why are there six wildcard games this week like they know that the other thing is this monday game really annoys me for some reason i don't know if i could quite put my finger on it but i want the playoffs to be done on sunday i want sunday night i want the playoffs to be done i want to be able to talk about it get ready for the week like this monday game it's really been annoying me and it's not even a good game. That's the problem. Why are you putting this game on Monday? This is a Saturday afternoon game. The Eagles and Bucks is a Saturday afternoon game. If I've ever seen one and we have to wait all the way until Monday night to watch it again, I have been sick. So it's possible. That's where this anger is coming from, but I don't like it. I don't like the Monday game, Rich. Uh, I'm with you. I think I'd rather, well, I would rather have just two, three game slates for like betting yep. DFS stuff. Like give us two clean Absolutely. three game slates and it's just a lot more optimal. But I mean, dollars, man. Listen, we didn't need to go to a seventh playoff team either because they haven't won or been, uh, you know, less than seven point dogs in a game. But hey, print that money, NFL. Yeah, I mean, how would we have ever survived without without the Mason Rudolph led Steelers going to play in Buffalo in the worst weather that you've ever seen in your entire life? How would we have even how would we have lived our life without without all of those things happening? I don't know. I don't know if we could have we could have bared it. That's fine. I am excited about this weekend. Don't let anything that I've just said dissuade you from the notion that I am actually really excited about this weekend. I think it's going to be a fun weekend. Before we get there, however, I do want to mention that we've launched our postseason packages. We've been on fire over the last two months with our betting recommendations. Rich has been on fire with his with his worksheet previews, with his DFS recommendations, all of that. Uh, is available still in the postseason. And if you use the promo code WILDCARD, you can get 75% off our weekly postseason package for the first week. And so that's a really easy way to get your foot in the door and kind of see what we do and and see if you're interested in, in what we have to offer. Also, 
for our postseason package subscribers, we are offering a Pick'em Challenge exclusively for our postseason subscribers. There are prizes associated with it as well. So head over to sharpfootballanalysis.com and you can you can find out about this Pick'em Challenge and, and how to sign up and, and all of those things. So make sure you go and check that out. All right, let's get right to it. Let's just get started. First game of the week. Texans hosting the Cleveland Browns. Cleveland two and a half point road favorites. Totals at 44 and a half. This is an interesting game because it is one of our rematches, but it's not really a rematch because yeah. CJ Stroud didn't play in the last one. So there's not a ton you can take out of that matchup, I don't think. But CJ Stroud specifically, I think, is probably the key factor in this game and who's going to win and lose. We can talk about Flacco. I think Flacco has some some of that as well. But for Stroud, I mean, it's is Stroud going to be able to stand up to pressure in this game and to one of the best defenses in the league when we've seen him kind of not be able to do that this year? And I think that that probably is, if I was picking one factor that's going to determine this game, I think that's probably the one, right? Yeah, I think when you look at just breaking down this game, you just have to start with like the massive disadvantage they have offensive line versus the Cleveland defensive line. Uh, the Browns second in the NFL in pressure rate. The from day one, this Houston offensive line has been behind the eight ball. Like they've rotated dudes in and out, uh, been missing guys in different weeks. I mean, they just haven't any they haven't had anyone stay on the field like in unison. Their their most frequent offensive line combination was on the field for just 20% of their snaps this season. It's 28th in the league. So I just think the Browns are able to get pressure and get to the quarterback. And we've seen like in the context of playoff football, like that wins games uh if you can pressure or disrupt the other quarterback especially a rookie quarterback that has struggled against pressure against man coverage uh, and, and largely just against better defenses right like you look at stroud's game log it's very clear to diagnose like we objectively saw a lot of the, the eruption spots happening in advance and we saw a lot of the spots where he didn't have ceiling weeks or struggled in advance as well and even with though like the Texans probably will not be losing this game 36 to seven at some point. It is still going to be an uphill battle, I think, for this offense in totality against this Browns defense. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought up we've seen the matchups before. One of Stroud's worst match, worst games this year came against the Jets, a Jets team that plays a lot of man, not as much as the Browns, and gets pressure at a at a pretty good rate. Again, not as high as the Browns, but still it's a team that is at least a defense that especially at that time in the season was at least analogous to this Browns defense and Stroud really struggled in that game, really struggled in that game before ultimately leaving it. And so I think that, yeah, I think that if you look kind of at, at his history and where, where he struggled this year, it suggests to me that that's going to be a problem for them. But on the other side too, you look at what Joe Flacco has done, and we're all you know excited about Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco probably wins comeback player of the year, I would imagine, at this point is where we're going to see this. But if you look at Joe Flacco and what he's done, it's been great because he's thrown for a lot of yards. He's thrown for a lot of touchdowns. Those touchdowns probably at an unsustainable rate. But he's also turned the ball over a lot. And so if I get to the end of this game and Flacco's turned the ball over four times and the Texans end up winning it. They continue to be able to run. Maybe they get some long runs with Devin Singletary and they're able to score some points and kind of hold on. That also wouldn't be surprising to me. I don't think it's a foregone conclusion, obviously, that the Browns are going to win this game. But I think if the Browns lose this game, the most likely path to that to me is Flacco just struggling with turnovers and not getting as much luck with touchdowns as maybe he has been getting through a starting run. 
Yeah, that's what basically all of my friends in the Cleveland area that are Browns fans have talked about. Like, you know, we know how this is going to end. It's been a great ride, but like the they're, the way they're turning the ball over, like there's no way this doesn't end. And whether it be this week or at some point, you know, end on like a crippling Joe Flacco interception. I mean, even in that Jets game, yeah. he tried to keep the Jets or, like hanging around in that game when we last seen him on Thursday night um, in that one. But yeah, I mean, this is why I think the rematch comes into play more so as an advantageous for the Texans in this game than probably the Browns, right? Because this is the first time Flacco with the Browns is facing a team for a second time. Like what do the Texans and D'Amico Ryans do to calibrate? Like what, where did they have success? Obviously we know where they failed in the first game. Yeah. Uh, you know, when they went to man coverage, when they put uh, you know, their, their cornerbacks on an Island with Amari Cooper, they were absolutely flooded. So what adjustments do the Texans make to kind of, you know, calibrate slowing down Joe Flacco in this passing game? It's just been red hot. I mean, Joe Flacco's played five games with the Browns and already has thrown for 300 or more yards in the longest stretch in franchise history. And he's also matched a franchise record for multiple passing touchdown games in a row. So which is pretty wild to think about because this is a team that's been around since, you know, the 50s. Uh, they did leave for a little period of time, but, you know, hey. Uh, oh, I yeah. that. <laughs> it's an interesting, interesting story, huh? Yeah, yeah, but that—that's really what it what it comes down to. That's where I think like the Texans in this from a rematch perspective, I think they have more to gain from the first matchup than the Browns necessarily do. Obviously, because Stroud didn't play, but and Flacco's just been turning the ball over so much. So they, we've seen in the playoffs again, like that's the other bugaboo. Like when teams turn the ball over in the playoffs, the team that have won the matchup battle since the NFL expanded to thirty-two teams in the playoffs have won seventy-seven percent of the time. Teams that have a multiple edge in turnover battle have have gone 95 and 18 in those games that's your path right like that's your path for the texans you need turnovers in this game yeah and flacco has been offering them up and so that that does that gives the texans a path i will say you know the the texans pass defense is it bad enough that even if they're going to make adjustments it doesn't matter like is that kind of <laughs> where we are what i will say about the browns offense is they're not I would be very surprised if they're able to run the ball in this game. Uh, I said the same thing about Jonathan Taylor last week, and apparently the only team that the Texans can't stop on the ground is the Indianapolis Colts. So if the Indianapolis Colts could run on the Texans, no other team could do that, apparently, is where we are. And this Browns running game has been so bad with without Nick Chubb for really the entire year. And we've seen you know Jerome Ford have some long runs, and that has kind of helped the the overall numbers look better, but on a per carry basis, it just hasn't been good for him. It hasn't been good for Kareem Hunt. It, you know, maybe they tried it a little more Pierce or no Pierce wrong left that game injured. Like, what are we like, what are the options here for the Browns in the running game? I don't think they're really there. And I think that's why we've seen them throw so much with Joe Flacco. They're 5% over their expected pass rate with Joe Flacco is because they have a quarterback now who they trust to throw the ball. They know the running game's not going to work. And so that's why I think we're going to see a lot of Flacco throws here and also why we might see a lot of Flacco turnovers and ultimately the, the Browns lose this game if that's kind of the way it goes. Yeah, 100%. I mean, that's the, the both of these teams have been really bad running the football. Houston's been a little bit better with Devin Singletary than they were in the front half of the year. But I mean, both of these teams are the Browns are 27th in the NFL in rate of runs to go for five or more yards. Houston is 31st. Uh, only the Buccaneers are in the playoffs. They have a worse rate than those two teams. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I, I expect the Browns to do what they've done over the, the back quarter of the season at Flacco and kind of put it in his hands. The other thing too, I think the other aspect in this game from like a top down perspective is the Texans played a pseudo playoff game last week. And I think D'Amico Ryan's and Bobby Sloak did not pass their initial test. Like they were 
very fortunate to come out of that win with a win. And I think it was a large part due to self-sabotage. I mean, they, they, they punted across the 50 early in that game. Uh, they, they mismanaged, uh, you know, a lot of early down play calls when CJ Stroud was clearly in, in the zone, uh, a lot of early down runs for the, for the Texans, which has been kind of like their MO all year. Structurally, this is a great scheme. It definitely is. But I think from a play calling perspective and the way they, they are, kind of coaching this team I still have questions and I have a lot more faith in Kevin Stefanski uh and what he's done as a head coach you know if you're backing a side here yeah and I think it's just annoying because they didn't learn the lesson like that Panthers game should have been a wake-up call for them because when they've struggled with Stroud um again in situations where maybe they were the better team where they've struggled with Stroud has been when they when they allow the other team to stay in it. He was mm-hmm. slicing up that Colts team. They should have just thrown the ball, continued throwing the ball to Nico Collins. They didn't have a ton of receiving options. I know that Noah Brown was out and Robert Woods was out and all of that stuff. But Nico Collins was open whenever you want to. You build a big lead against the Colts. You force them to abandon the run, and then you win that game running away. But they didn't do that. And since they didn't do that, since they allowed the Colts to stay in it, then they really relied on the Colts just making a couple dumb decisions at the end, deciding, by the way, deciding to run the clock down when you need a touchdown is a wild decision. Like just assuming that you're going to score a touchdown, assuming that the end of your drive will definitely be a touchdown and you have a better chance because you know you have to go through it for it on fourth down. And I get all of that, but that's a wild decision by Shane Steichen. I, I don't, he, He's out of the coach of the year running for me. I'm joking. Shane Sykin had a great year and he's a good coach, but that was a wild decision. But the the Texans, the Texans just, you know, they benefited from that. Are they going to learn the lesson now? I don't know. Would I, can I expect them? Would I expect them to go in and just try to run the ball on this Browns defense and maybe, and maybe not push the issue the way they should? I mean, I could see that happening again. And if that happens, yeah, I'm not, I'm not feeling great about kind of where they are and their defense holding up against against the juggernaut that is the Joe Flacco pass Brock uh, Brown's passing game. It's that time Joe of year, Flacco. man. Some of these guys in their first run, like you, you pucker up a little bit, man. And we've seen it from smart dudes and we'll talk about it when we get there. Like we've seen really smart guys like Sean McVay and Kyle Shanahan do this in the postseason too. Uh, and yeah, I mean, is there a famous example of, of <laughs> Kyle Shanahan doing this? Is there yeah, a- like, like seven. So, uh, yeah, so, I mean, absolutely. So, like, I think from just, like, that aspect, too, if you are backing the Texans, who I think are definitely live, right? Like, they are absolutely, absolutely. live. Absolutely. Like, yeah. that, that aspect has to play into it, too. Yeah, no, for sure. All right, let's move on to Chiefs, Dolphins. She's hosting the Dolphins. This is a one of our first weather concern games. The Chiefs are four and a half point favorites here. Uh, the total is 44. It's down from 47 and a half where it opened. Uh, weather played a role in that. I also think just kind of the offensive um, malaise of both of these teams in recent weeks certainly played a role in that as well. The weather's expected to be extremely cold expected to be windy the temperature close to zero i know you don't put a ton of stock in most weather and it doesn't seem like wind is going to be a massive factor here but what i'll say is this feels like this is going to be the kind of cold that does affect offenses like when you're getting to zero in a real feel of negative 10 like that gets to a point where maybe we are actually seeing the passing games affected a little bit so i'm a little bit worried about the weather are you worried about the weather here I wait. I'll wait till Saturday night, right? Like I don't think yeah. there's any point right now to to like be up in our like because th- like we we've done this so many times, right? So yeah, many. You're times. right. So if we do get to Saturday 
and Saturday evening and it's that bad. Like I'm obviously if it's like someone's showing like video of like the planet Hoff and like dudes are going to be playing football. I'm going to be like, yeah, I'm, that's probably not going to be great. Right. Like, yeah. Uh, so yes, I'm not like so stubborn to where I won't come off of it. I just think this early, like I'm not going to go like crazy on all these angles. I, I want to break down the game objectively first and then calibrate, you know, working backwards. And some of these times we've done this, like I've done, I've been doing this for a decade, right? Like, and yeah. there's times where you talk about something on a Wednesday or Tuesday about weather and like, it's just thrown out the window. So when we get there to sun, Saturday night, we'll deal with it then. But I think in general, the Dolphins have just run as cold as you could possibly run this for these final three weeks of the season. And it could be a, a, a literal uh, allegory coming into Saturday night as well. Everything has gone wrong for them these past three weeks. Uh, they basically held the keys to winning the division, hosting a home game potentially against Mason Rudolph. Uh to going to Kansas City in Arrowhead. And listen, it's it, this Chiefs team has not been as, you know, as the, the juggernaut and fine-tuned machine that we've seen them be in years past. But this is still Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid at home where they ha- are 9-2 and two together, both losses only coming in overtime. Uh, a Dolphins team that now lost two more defensive starters last week. Uh, they're just down so bad. Uh, overall. And, you know, we would probably get Raheem Mostert and Jalen Waddle back in some capacity. We don't know if it's a hundred percent on either level. Tyreek looks like every Tyreek target looks like he's hurt at this point of the season. Like it's just, it's rough. The one area where I think the dolphins can have success is running the football and just how long can they stick with the run? They, they found the great run game in Germany when these teams played, but they were down 21 points when they found it. Like, like where they were having success, they couldn't get out of a hole. So do they start the game out hot running the football uh, is probably their best avenue of success here. Yeah, there's a couple interesting things to that. First is that the Chiefs offense, even that Chiefs offense they faced in Germany was better than what we've seen recently. And so if you're just hoping to stay in game script, then you're in a much better, much better situation against this version of this Chiefs team than you would be, you know, in years past with the offenses that we've seen. The other thing, it was really interesting in that Bills game, what the Dolphins did is the Dolphins were able to run the ball with A-Chain, especially pretty much at will against that Bills team. And then they stopped. They like put it in their back pocket. And I don't know if that was just, like you said, even smart coaches sometimes, sometimes, um, you know, pressure burst pipes, right? Sometimes they come up a little bit short in these pressure situations. Or is that, hey, we this running game's really working. We don't want to show people what we're doing. And like I'm very confused by kind of what they did last week. And so that is that is an interesting aspect of this. Um I'm glad you mentioned kind of like the the Chiefs offense as well. Like we go into this thinking like I don't like do you look at this total of 44 and still think that that's too high based on what we've seen from these two teams? Like it's, it's because you would think it's it's very odd to have this, these two teams where if you look at the year in stats of, you know, points per drive and yards per play, it looks pretty good, but every feeling, every kind of like vibe to use the kids terms you get from, from this game is that like both of these offense kind of aren't good. Uh, the Dolphins defense might not be good anymore because injuries, but the chiefs defense we think is good. Like, I, I'm really struggling to get excited about this game at all. Like I, I don't, I don't know how I can get excited about either offense in this game. I, I think that the Chiefs are going to have offensive success in this game if weather doesn't get in the way. I mean, the, the Dolphins' defense has just been so predicated on pressure this season, and them missing 
Bradley Chubb, Jalen Phillips, and then Andrew Van Ginkle and Jerome Baker, I think is huge for this individual matchup. Uh, you know, we haven't seen Travis Kelsey. Maybe he's just not healthy or he's just, you know, 34 and it's going to be a thing. But like they've already been crushed by tight ends the entire season. They lose their best coverage linebacker. Uh, if it's if it is a short passing game, I still think that the Chiefs are going to have success. I think Isaiah Pacheco is going to have success in this game. So I do think the Chiefs are probably in a little better spot than you do. I mean, you've been consistently down on them all year, though, so it's not like you're wavering at all. You're just you're continuously to, to go with the line here. Uh, but if the weather is not a big deal, I do think the Chiefs do handle this game. So this Dolphins defense is definitely in a bad spot. Like nobody is going to disagree with that. It seems like Davian Howard's not going to play like they are in a really bad spot, but even this version of this Dolphins defense, are they worse than the Bengals? Right. Who the Chiefs scored 25 on and it wasn't a convincing 25. Are they worse than the Raiders? I disagree. Who... They had almost 400 yards of offense in that game. Like they moved the ball down the field at will. They just oh, yeah, struggled true. in the You're red correct. zone. You're correct. That's the game. That's the game that they struggled in the red zone. I was wrong about that. I, I yeah, agree. yeah. But that, that Raiders, are they better than like the Raiders defense that they struggled That's against? That's the thing with the Chiefs. Every time we start to come around, they do they do this, right? Like they are like, then they just like completely flatline like the Raiders game. Yeah, I just don't I like I again, it's a lot of vibes things, but like Rasheed Rice is there and he's getting open. You go, okay, well, we finally have our wide receiver that's gonna make this work, and then it's still not working. And Travis Kelsey, you go, well, you know, he's lost a step, but he's still gonna get some catches and it's still not working. And the running game, we have Isaiah Pacheco who makes big plays and has been a solid when healthy, but even when he's in there, it's still kind of not working. And so I I wonder if like the matchup just doesn't matter and this thing is just not working. Then again. Uh, Mahomes could come out and he could throw, you know, four touchdown passes, which would be a third of the touchdown passes he's thrown since week eight and, uh, and, and everything would be fine. But I just, I just think that this is going to be lower scoring than maybe we would expect if, especially beginning of the season, if you told me in week one, these two teams were playing in the playoffs, I'd expect the total to be, you know, 52. And I expect we're going to see a lot of points. I don't think that's actually what we're going to see. I think we're going to see a lower scoring game. I don't think we're going to no, see, see him play in a there. neutral site. We see him play at a neutral site indoors. They scored 35 points. Exactly. Exactly. That's kind of that's kind of where I think we are. And so I'm just I'm really struggling to get excited for it. What I will say is I, I do think that Pacheco is in a really good spot here. And with how much usage he's getting now with Jarek McKinnon out, and he doesn't really have that kind of like person behind him uh, that's going to push him. Pacheco's in a really good spot here in this game with all the injuries and all that. He's the one guy I'm looking at and I'm going, yeah, I'm really, I'm really excited to play Isaiah Pacheco in DFS. The problem is, is I assume everyone else is as well. And so I don't really know. I don't really know what I'm gaining from that. Yeah. I think the way the NFL split this up, this is where it's bad, right? Cause like the Saturday slate is very similar to the one last week. It's just gross. Like if you're playing that two game slate. I don't think it's a great slate to play. I think it's a pretty bad slate to play. But it's where it is. You're, he's by default. He's a home favorite running back. There's weather stuff. There's no Jarek McKinnon. Uh, the early game doesn't necessarily have like pieces you want to play. It's yep. going to force ownership to him that by default. Yeah, I wonder if like so. Is there an avenue for you not to play Isaiah Pacheco in this game? Is like uh, yeah, that uh, yeah. The larger larger the your field size increases, I think you just have to swallow it. If he's if he projects to be you know, 60% or owned, you just have to go against and hope that like he doesn't score a touchdown potentially, you know, just isn't, doesn't run as optimally and you kind of have to play, you don't even necessarily have to play the leverage. You just have to not play him. Uh, and just have that be the, your path to success. Uh, the, the, to be fair to the dolphins, like their injuries are not to the interior of their defense where they've been good, right? Like they have two awesome defensive tackles. So like that maybe is like an avenue where they can just like, at least like 
prevent Pacheco to like not having like a, a bunch of path to efficiency. He's gonna get a lot of touches regardless, though. So yeah, but that's really it. So, he's gonna be pushed to a ton of ownership. I think Achan is probably the most interesting DFS piece here because we know Mostert's gonna play and probably still get high leverage touches, but if the Dolphins do have success running the football, we know he's got big play ability. Like we know he's going to probably play passing downs in this game. Uh, so like HM becomes, I think the more, most interesting kind of play in this game. Yeah. It's multiple avenues, like multiple outs there. Right. Cause he could just mm-hmm. have a big play in the running game. He could just have 60 yards in the running game, or he could be what we've seen more in the second half of the season when Mostert was healthy, where he could get four and five catches and he could, you know, kind of, supplement his maybe lack of lack of carries that way and so we definitely have outs i'm trying to think about what that saturday lineup looks like without pacheco i guess you're just playing you're playing a chain i think that that's you have to have that upside if you're not going to if you're not going to play pacheco and then i guess maybe you take a swing on singletary and build around the idea that flacco turns the ball over and the texans get short fields and they're able to run the ball maybe you get some long plays against that browns defense which they've been susceptible to giving up i guess that probably be the construction that i would go with maybe texans defense singletary a chain and then just try to play you know receivers the rest of the way is that kind of where you would go with it yeah, probably. I mean, you, you could, you maybe, you just punt with Jerome Ford, hope he catches some receiving stuff. Like, there, I mean, you just need, in that scenario, you just really need Pacheco to fail at that ownership. Like, really, it's not necessarily who you play. I mean, obviously, it will eventually matter. Like, who you have to get points from someone. But the, the, the big building block is just having him fail at that ownership. And I haven't seen projected ownership to what it is, but if he is on the two game slate, going to be, you know, 60% owned. Like, it's. I remember there was a slate a couple years ago, and the the youths probably don't remember this. But it was a two game slate, and uh, Le'Veon Bell was like projecting to be like seventy percent on. They're playing the Houston Texans. DeAndre Hopkins made like a ridiculous one handed like tip catch in this game. If you remember, that's the game. But Le'Veon Bell was yeah, like just tracking. It was a similar spot where like he was clearly like bar none like the running back to play. And at that ownership, you just had to swallow not playing him. Like you know you're gonna get shadow realmed, right? Like I think you talked about this on the Thanksgiving slate, maybe with Chris McCaffrey, or there was a Chris was McCaffrey. McCaffrey. And like McCaffrey. you just need him to fail though. And like, granted, you know, if he does fail, you lose, you're not winning any money, but that's your path to winning actual money though. And I think that that's a really important talking point if we're trying to, you know, cause we are going to focus more on DFS now that the re- kind of the real fantasy season is over. I, you have to be willing to fail if you're really trying to chase tournaments yeah. because you're not going to, the chances that you get it a hundred percent perfect, you know, when everybody else does two games it's like difficult. a showdown it's like a showdown yeah. slate like an extension of a showdown slate like two games versus three games is massive yeah like i'll, I'll give you an example i played uh, the showdown slate on sunday night is i played a lot of gabe davis and captain it ended up really failing right because he left the game injured with zero catches but i'm not like upset about that because gabe davis i know what the ceiling of gabe davis was and if gabe davis goes and has a wild game that's going to put me in a great position right and so you just have to be willing to say all right i'm going to accept there's a floor outcome here that i'm going to finish dead last this tournament i think i might have finished dead last in the tournament actually on on showdown but you have to you have to accept that and just say Mm -hmm. all right well i'm going to take a shot at some things that maybe maybe the public doesn't doesn't expect to happen. Does that mean you don't don't play any Pacheco? Obviously not. But yeah, no, you yeah. just got to take take some chances. Yeah, right, I'm lar- try not to talk it's, about it's more the larger larger it goes, right? Larger your field size goes is where you would start to start to talk into angles of like, all right, I how does Pacheco fail? How do I get off of the most popular play of the slate? And I do think that part of it is important as well. How does Pacheco fail, right? Like that's an important thing as well. If you're trying to find leverage, it's not just that, oh, I think Pacheco is going to fail or 
I mean, maybe not. He could have 17 carries for 83 yards and not be worth it. That is, that's in the realm of possibility. They're not a bad game for Pacheco, but he doesn't get in the end zone because Travis Kelsey gets two touchdowns and Rasheed Rice gets a touchdown. And Patrick Mahomes throws for three. That's not a bad game for Pacheco, but he probably isn't, still isn't worth it at that point. So that's, you know, that's kind of the game, the game you have to play. We're going to move on to Bill Steelers here. I'm going to try not to talk about the weather because I know you don't want to talk about the weather here on a Thursday morning. What I will say <laughs> is Warren Sharp wrote an article over at sharpfootballanalysis.com talking about the possibilities of wind in this game and how wind has affected game totals in Buffalo. There's obviously the great example of the wind tunnel game. Mac Jones attempted three passes in that game uh, a couple years ago. So there's a lot of great stuff in that article. I'd recommend you go and read it. As a result of the expected weather in this game, the total here is uh, 36 down from 43, maybe 35 and a half a few places. Uh, Buffalo is 10 point favorites, which gives the Steelers uh, one of the lowest uh, projected implied game totals that I've ever seen in the NFL. Like this is this is a wild projected game total. Yeah, it is. And you know, the, the Steelers, like this is what they want, right? Like this is their path. If you're saying like they're going to be the first seven seed to win, like, there's you need this game to have like high wins to where like the loss of TJ Watt is mitigated. The Bills can't do some things down the field that maybe you've been vulnerable to this season. They have to rely more on this run game that's been very, you know, cattywampus. Like they've been, we thought like Joe Brady had unlocked James Cook and turns out he potentially didn't unlock James Cook. Uh, so like, this is what you want. You want to be able to hand the ball off to Najee Harris as many times as possible, right? You want to have Mason Rudolph just potentially have to make one to two plays instead of seven to nine plays that's like that's if you're the Steelers like that's the game script you want to have to, like you need that because if this game is in optimal conditions the Bills are able to drop back and pass when you don't have TJ Watt and your defense has completely been predicated on getting pressure on the quarterback this season then you're in trouble and you have to drop back and have Mason Rudolph make plays against a team that is number one in the NFL in sack differential number one in the in sack differential at home this Bills defense has been largely good no matter what they've done, you know, duct tape and bubble gum. Like they've put this defense has been effective you know, throughout the course of the season. So that's the, the avenue. The Steelers want to wake up. We want they want this Sunday game to be 30 mile power wins, maybe some snow. They want it. Give it, give it to them. Yeah, I mean, that's that is really, I think, their only path here is that that's what we end up with. Najee Harris, I mean, assuming he's healthy, he missed practice on um on wednesday so we're recording this on thursday morning assuming Najee harris is healthy that's the game script they want they do not want to get into a situation where josh allen is dropping back to pass like you said their their pass defense when they don't get pressure is abysmal and the person that gets pressure is tj watt and he's not going to play and so that is uh not a great combination for for your defense and so yeah there's a lot of things pointing to the bills here if the weather conditions allow them allow them to do that. The other thing about Mason Rudolph is, you know, this has been a, you know, Mason Rudolph helps, you know, turn things around and it didn't look like they were going to be in the playoffs. And now they're in the playoffs, thanks to some help from, you know, the Jaguars. But if you look at what Mason Rudolph has done, 31% of his yardage and all of his touchdowns have come on three long plays. He played two bad defenses in a team that did not care about the game. This all still feels like a mirage to me. And if he is forced, even in good weather conditions, if he is forced to drop back and throw against this defense, it's not going to go well. I just, I have no faith it's going to go well. I'm trying to make a case for, you know, okay, how do I take the other side of this game? How can I be, 
how can I be, you know, contrarian and take the other side of this game? And I, I, I'm struggling to find a way to get there. Like I, I'm really struggling. Yeah. You need the weather and you need the turnovers, right? Like the bills, tur- you know, turning the ball over to just kind of create that game script where, like I said, if Rudolph has to make more than one to two plays in this game, it's probably, it probably went bad for the Steelers. It's bad. Like if you can, if you could squeeze and say like, Hey, I only need to need him to make one or two, then you, you got hope. But if you're relying on him to make several plays, it's not, it, this is not it. We're waiting for that shoe to drop. It's the Steelers in general, right? Like this, this team hasn't been good all year. Like this is this is a team that's been very kind of mediocre. Rudolph's definitely been the best of the three guys that have played quarterback for them. But again, like what a <laughs> what a damning indictment of, exactly. of the quarterback situation in Pittsburgh. He's definitely he's very clearly been the best option. That's I think the problem. biggest problem the Steelers have is what do you do now in the offseason? Like they probably go back to Kenny Pickett. Right, like you're going to give Kenny Pickett a third year, and dude, you don't have an answer still at quarterback. Yeah, there's no, there are no options here. Like that's why the smoke about Mike Tomlin leaving. The reason why I kind of believe he might like resign and maybe go try to go somewhere else or take a year off is because this this quarterback situation is rough. And I don't see a clean path out of it aside from taking a swing. Maybe you just give a lot of money to Kirk Cousins, right? Or maybe you, you know, try to trade for Russell Wilson. I don't know what you're going to try to do, but there aren't any really like clean avenues here for them to get out of this quarterback situation. And like, can you go back to Kenny Pickett? He didn't want to be a backup. He was inactive, right? Two weeks ago. We've kind of swept that under the rug. He was healthy when he was inactive. It seems like he kind of got up and said, no, I'm not going to be active and, you know, not play. And so, like, is that is that relationship dead? Even could you go back to Kenny Pickett? Are, are we going to talk ourselves into Mason Rudolph being the option, the answer for next year? Yeah, it's a, it's a really rough situation for for the Steelers. But hey, they're still in the playoffs. So what are you going to say? Good good job, good job by you. In a, in the best division in football, they still made it into the playoffs. So so there you go. Uh, there's a comment here from Adam in the chat. Warren averaging over targets a game with Rudolph. I actually think that that's a really good call because I think game script, I mean, if they are down in this game, if this game script goes the way the line suggests that it's going to go, you're going to see a lot more Warren than we are going to see Najee Harris. And we're going to see, we're going to see, um, we're going to see a lot of catches for for Jalen Warren as well, I would suspect. So if you're playing DFS in this, that's definitely some oh, something to think about. If you're looking for a run back on the Steelers, more than like pickins and hoping for a long play or Deontay Johnson and hoping for you know a touchdown to to raise his floor. Although I guess now big play Deontay Johnson. Are we now calling him that big play Deontay Johnson after last week? I do think Warren is a kind of an, an interesting regression comes through everybody. You cannot you can't defeat it. <laughs> Big play, Deontay Johnson. Big play, Deontay. All right. So Cowboys like versus Packers. That's our other 2-7. get to watch that on Sunday afternoon. I, I hadn't really thought about that they put both the two sevens on on the Sunday kind of normal game times, which I guess makes sense. But yeah, it might be it might be a bit of a rough go here. Cowboys at home, obviously, 50 and a half point total, up from 48. So that's that's been rising. Cowboys uh, minus seven and a half when we're recording this. You had a lot of great stats in your in your worksheet preview for this, which you can find at sharpfootballanalysis.com. Part of our postseason package. Use code WILDCARD, 75% off your first week for our postseason package. You had a lot of great stats in there about the Cowboys at home. Obviously, I knew they had been very good at home. I didn't think I knew, I don't think I knew how exactly how much better they had been 
than opponents at home. It's really been an impressive run for them. Yeah, I mean, they're the only undefeated team at home. Uh, they won all eight of their games. They've won six of those games by 20 or more points. You know, led the NFL in points per drive. They scored on almost 60% of their possessions at home, 58.8%. Uh, obviously, it's league, wild. Uh, yeah. yeah, to score like on basically two thirds, like two th- every two times we get the ball, two out of every three we're scoring. Uh, led the league in turnover di- differential at home by more than 10. Also, I think when you just look at like this game too, like the start of this game is going to be so massive. I mean, the, the Packers are, you know, one in six when trailing at the half this season. They have been better first half team the back half of the year, which has been good. But I mean, this is a tough spot. We've talked about like the, the, the number seven seed history, right? Like they, they just haven't been good. We haven't really needed this outside of just printing more money for the NFL. Uh, and that's why these teams have largely struggled in these games. I think that this is a game where if you feel Packers, you feel great because you were able to calibrate the season as it went on. It looked really bad. They were three and six. You didn't know what you had in Jordan Love. You got some confidence in Jordan Love, and you got more reinforcement that you're with the right coaching staff, and you have a really young team that made the playoffs in a season probably where it looked like you weren't. You should feel good about all those things. I do think this is probably the largest mismatch on the the, the entire slate of games, of the six games. Uh, I think when you look at the, the Packers, they haven't faced any good quarterbacks this year in the context of the 2023 season. I know they face Patrick Mahomes. We just talked about the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes not being what they were of, of years past. From a fantasy perspective, they faced one QB1 in points per game the entire season. It was Kirk Cousins, and he was absolutely carving them before he tore his ACL in that game. The next best quarterback they faced was Justin Herbert, who had 26 fantasy points in that game. They're facing this just behemoth at home this season, and Dak Prescott, who's having the arguably one of the worst, best uh, seasons of his career. You, If you don't get pressure on Dak Prescott, you're, you're effed. And that Packers have been after when they don't pressure the other quarterback. And also Dak Prescott's the best quarterback under pressure in the NFL this season. Yeah. Leads the NFL and you know, completion rate and second in yards for pass attempts. So I have a hard time seeing how Joe Barry and this Packers defense slows this offensive down, especially CeeDee Lamb, who when you look at what this terror CeeDee Lamb's on, he leads since week six, leads the NFL in every single category per game. And when these teams played last year, I mean, CeeDee Lamb, they had no answer. He had 11 catches for 150 yards and two touchdowns. So I just think that the Cowboys are just going to score too many points in this game. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And I, again, I, I'm glad you brought this up. The Packers defense, the thing they've got, the thing that they can do is they can pressure the quarterback. And that's what they can do. And they do it pretty well in the context of, of the rest of the NFL. But it doesn't matter against Dak Prescott because he's really good against pressure, at least has been really good against pressure this year. This is actually very similar to um, there was another game that I just has escaped my mind that that was the same thing with Dak. The trump card that that team had was good pressure. It doesn't really matter against Dak Prescott. He had a pretty good game. And so I think that that's that's where we are. This defense has looked better the last two weeks, but I mean – it was against that Vikings combo of quarterbacks and yeah. it was against, you know, Justin Fields who whatever you think of Justin Fields, isn't like a dynamic passer yet. And, and Joe so, yeah, Barry I'm not, has I'm not, owned like, that's just another, another notch on Joe Barry's belt versus Justin Fields. Yeah. So I'm not, yeah, I'm not putting much pressure, uh, much, you know, uh, weight on that. I think that, I think that it's going to be a really good game for the Cowboys offense. As so that raised the question about what are we going to see from the Packers offense? And I actually think, that that is one of the more interesting aspects here is are we going to see Jordan Love continue to, you know, be the quarterback that we've seen over the last, what, two months of the season outside of this one game against the Giants? And the problem when you think about that is that 
when you look at that Giants team and what they're able to do and what they did under now former uh, defensive coordinator Wink Martindale, which that's been a fun story this entire this entire week. When you look at when you look at that, uh, that seems to set up pretty closely with what we would expect the Cowboys to do in this game. And that could be that could be problematic here for Jordan Love. Yeah, I mean, you can feel really good, though, about like the the growth Jordan Luff's made and, uh, you know, Matt LaFleur, you know, like I said, c- calibrating this offense to him to where like he's not just taking these inefficient deep shots and the offense was predicated on that. They've really gotten the ball out of his hands quick. The final of the back half of the season, really short passing game. It's really helped develop Jordan Love. But I mean, still, even over his hot stretch, he struggled against these really aggressive defenses uh, against pressure. Uh, he's been absolutely horrible against the blitz. He's been horrible against man coverage. He's been horrible. He's going to get all those things on Sunday. And you brought up the giants game. Like the giants were the last team that, that he faced that, that ran a higher rate of man coverage than the Cowboys run. And that was objectively his worst game of the back half of the season. So he's going to get all of those things. There could be from a fantasy perspective. I think there's still a path to where you can get like some junk points, I think from Jordan love. But I do think this is a game where, like, it's going to show some of the shortcomings that he still has to overcome as he continues to grow. Still, too, I think, like you said, if you're if you're a Packers fan, you overall come out of this feeling very positive. I think your odds of pulling the outright upset are very thin. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And yeah, from a DFS perspective, I think Jaden Reed, uh, you know, probably has a good game. And again, we're assuming health. Uh, probably, probably has a good game here. And that would be, that would be the receiver I target because uh, assuming Christian Watson plays, which it seems like that's where we're going is that Watson, you know, is kind of was ramping up to be ready for, for this game. If they made it, he's probably not going to play a lot based on what we've seen from Watson coming back from injuries in the past, but he's also going to eat into the playing time of Dontavian Wicks and Bo Melton and those guys, Romeo Doves. We don't know how healthy he is. So if you're targeting a, you know, a pass catcher, I definitely think it's Jaden Reed and he just fits well with what the Cowboys do. If you're trying to attack this Cowboys defense, I think that, you know, Jaden Reed is, is the most likely op the most likely kind of outlet that we'll see here for the Packers and then maybe try to get Aaron Jones, you know, going Aaron Jones last week against the bears defense that we expected to be really tough against the run. They were tough against the run. He was able to get going against him. We're seeing the old Aaron Jones back the Aaron Jones that I, and I know you fell in love with at UTEP that Aaron Jones is healthy and he's, he's showing back up. And so maybe they could find success that way, but yeah, I, I don't give them much chance of, of getting the upset here. We're just kind of looking for some fantasy options on a short slate. I think. Yeah, yeah. One of the few NFL players that actually follows me still, uh, you know, that I haven't said anything bad about, but uh, he always, I had positive draft takes on Aaron Jones and he's always, he's followed me since then. Yeah, no, he still follows me too for the same reason. Like, I just kept tweeting. I kept tweeting like in the lead up to that draft. I go, why aren't we talking about Aaron Jones? This guy's really, really good. Yeah, and he followed me. So I guess I've I've kept my Aaron Jones love alive. He's and it, I, I'd like it, to say maybe Aaron, he doesn't just check the social media because I've had negative Aaron Jones tweets and uh never gotten back. So Michael Thomas followed me for a little bit and then like because uh, the one year he was like on that tear, I would like drop I dropped like like this is how great Michael Thomas has been. And then like I fired one bad Michael Thomas tweet, like and it was it was over. Yeah. It was over, man. It was a, their relationship was yeah. severed. Yeah, I don't I never got the Michael Thomas follow. I was really high on him too. So <laughs> I'm now jealous I never got the Michael Thomas follow. Aaron Jones and Michael Thomas led me to some uh dynasty championships for sure. Uh, I was I was high on both those guys. So I appreciate I appreciate all of your service to my uh to my dynasty teams. Thank you very much, Aaron Jones and Michael Thomas. 
The most interesting game, my favorite game definitely of the weekend is Lions hosting the Rams on Sunday night. Detroit three-point favorites, 51.5 point total, the highest of, of the week. We, you know, last week we talked about that the Lions are going to play all of their guys in week 18, and that's probably a mistake, and we're going to end up with an injury to a really important player. Unfortunately, that did happen with Sam Laporta. Sam Laporta, Dan Campbell keeps leaving open the possibility that Sam Laporta is going to play in this game. That's That would be highly unlikely, and even if he does play in this game, I assume he will be very limited. And so I think when we're thinking about the Lions' passing game especially, we have to think about what will this passing game look like without Laporta. And I think there are two interesting things you brought up in your worksheet. The first is with running backs and what we've seen with running back targets for this team under Ben Johnson whenever they haven't had that kind of focal point tight end in the passing game. Well, I mean, we we know that James Mitchell and Brock Wright are not going to get the target share that that Sam Laporta was occupying. And it's a bummer for this matchup because, you know, where we have wanted the target. Like, this would have been a great spot for Sam Laporta to go pretty bonkers, you know, given the, where the It'd Rams been perfect. struggled. Uh, but we've seen this kind of story last year. I mean, last year, before they traded TJ Hawkinson, they had targeted their running backs 17.5% of the time. It was middle of the league. So far this season, they've targeted their running back 17.8% of the time. Exactly the same thing. When they got rid of TJ Hawkinson, that's when they started to kind of incorporate the, the running backs like DeAndre Swift into the pass game. They went up to second in the NFL in target rate for their running backs. It'll be interesting to see if he calibrates the offense in a way to get Jameer Gibbs used more as a pass catcher. The Rams have been really good against receiving running backs. And they face some good ones too, to kind of like reinforce like the, their efficiency against that. So it's just one of those a, avenues. There was an Alvin Kamara. There was an Alvin Kamara under that I know hurt both you and my soul are receiving under against the Rams. It was like the one time we were like, Oh yeah, we're saints are going to lose. We're in on Alvin Kamara. And then they just shut him down. He had like, what was it? Like nine catches for like 20 yards or something absurd like that. Yeah, I think he had like, like six or 16, something like that. But uh, yeah. So, I mean, it, if they are going to incorporate the, the, the running backs in the passing game, is it even going to be effective in this particular matchup? I think is an Avenue. Uh, obviously the one thing that you look at is like the, the, well, way we've always known to dis to, like Jared Goff, like is he struggles with disruption, and this Rams defense creates none. So, like if that's the thing, like that even without Sam Laporta, like if they're not able to disrupt Jared Goff, I mean Sean McVay knows firsthand. Like this is the way the path, and like this Rams defense has struggled since they're by. So, like the other area too, like because I know the public and I know you are are very much on the Rams. This is a game I'm 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 not going to take on either side. I'm just going to probably take the over or first half over and just try to enjoy it. Uh, but I think the Lions are going to have a lot of success with their running backs in this game in total, even if it's not through the passing game. I think they're going to be able to run on the Rams, and if they're able to just kind of build off of a play action game because the Rams can't disrupt Jared Goff, I still think there's a path to like a huge a lot of offensive efficiency for the Lions in this game. I mean, the Lions have literally run on just about everyone this entire season. Now they're getting a very middle-of-the-pack run defense. So I think that's one avenue to where the Lions can definitely make up ground for Laporta. Big picture, it might catch up to them. I definitely think that's an avenue here. I definitely don't think they're going to stop the passing game of the Rams either. So that's why I said, like, maybe you just take the over and you just try to enjoy this one. Um, the other aspect, too, is we kind of hit it on, like, if you're backing the Rams, you have to back Sean McVay versus Dan Campbell. And we, Dan Campbell is going to protect your money. He's at least going to put you in the most optimal spot to win your money back. Sean McVay is not. Sean McVay is going to punt from the Lions 42 or try to draw the Lions off sides and waste the time out in a certain spot. 
Dan Campbell's going for twos when he should. He's going for fourth downs when he should. He's trying to win the game. And I always like backing coaches like that. Like I always feel good better when my money's involved with a coach like that. But this game is just, it has something for everyone. You know, I kind of wrote about it. Like if you, if you just like to watch football, you've got kind of like Matthew Stafford going back to Detroit. Golfers, the team that jettisoned him for arguably the right reason. They won a Super Bowl. You've got Ben Johnson who worked under Sean McVay. You've got the Lions have the longest playoff drought win playoff win drought in all the major sports if you just want to root for something and then you've got from a fantasy perspective this game with the highest total indoors two teams that probably aren't going to stop each other it's kind of something for everybody yeah i mean you could even run down narrative street with so many so many players in this game like the other player i was going to bring up without laporta is josh reynolds who is part of our narrative street you know group <laughs> played for the rams now he's playing for the lions he gets a lot of targets without laporta on the field you wrote about it in the worksheet i'd recommend go go and read about it and so yeah you can run down this narrative street i do think your point about about the coaching is is good i think that it's right i on the other side of that if you really like if i'm trying to find okay which of these narrative streets actually bears some you know some validity and something i should think about Goff is the kind of quarterback where everything needs to be right for him to be successful. Like that's what he needs. Mm -hmm. He needs to be at home and not get pressure. The guy who knows a lot of things that bother Jared Goff is Sean McVay. And so I think that that part of the narrative street might be, you know, ex talking to the defense, explaining, are you, this is the things he struggles. These are the things he doesn't like to see. I think that could be part of it. I think the lions are going to be fine. I think they're going to score on offense. I don't think the Rams are like going to blow them out. I just like the Rams here because I think the lions just aren't able to stop this offense. And this Rams offense, when everybody is healthy is one of the best offenses, if not the best offense in the league, at least by the numbers, they're all healthy right now. They all had a week off except for Puka, you know, who, who set his records. And I just think that that offense is versus the lions defense is a bigger mismatch than the lions offense versus this Rams defense. And that's why I like the Rams side of it. But obviously the, the lions are, I mean, they're favored for a reason. They, could certainly win this game. I would not be surprised by that. If they do, I think what we probably see is Stafford struggle with pressure. The Lions, that's one thing their right. defense can do is get pressure. Stafford has not been great against pressure this year. And so if they're able to do that, get consistent pressure, um, you know, bottle up Kyron Williams enough on, you know, first down and, and force them into some long, some long passing situations, get pressure and, and kind of rattle Stafford. They could slow this offense down. I think that's the path for the Lions slowing this offense down. Otherwise, I think we're seeing a shootout and I just like the Rams offense in their matchup better than I do the Lions. And that's kind of where I am in this game. Yeah, I mean, this is a game. I think it's. I think it is going to be a game where you just there's going to be a lot of passing efficiency. It's it's going to be a high YPA game for both sides, and then hopefully that leads to us getting a lot of points and just having a really fun Sunday night. I I like I said, I'm looking forward to this game the most. I think like many because it does. Like it's just got a little bit of of a little column A, B, and C for everybody. No matter what you what kind of type of football fan you are, or the reasons you're watching this game, it's it's just there. It's just kind of got all of it. Yeah, it's great. I'm I'm so happy for this game. Uh, do we have to download anything to watch this game? Do we need I don't any think special so. apps? We don't think so. What is this game? Uh, That's this game. NBC, no, right? it is on NBC. Congratulations. We don't That's have to download the, Peacock. It's the Collinsworth game. It's the Collinsworth game. Oh, uh, I can't wait for him to talk about how Jared Goff is a guy. Now this is a guy. Jared <laughs> a Goff's guy. a guy. It's a guy. It's a guy. <laughs> 
I do. But now, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you nailed it, though. I mean, that's that, like I think that this game comes down to what team can actually just disrupt the other quarterback enough. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. And it, to be fair, one of those teams does have Aaron Donald, so maybe, yeah. maybe that's maybe that'll be important. Our, our our last game of the week here, for some reason on Monday, just making my blood boil, and not even a good game, not even a game I'm interested in, is the Bucks Eagles no. Eagles on the road here three-point favorites on the road, 43-and-a-half-point total. I, I, Again, why is this game on a Monday? What I, what I do think is interesting about this game from, from like the Bucks offense versus the Eagles' defense is if we're talking about the Bucks' offense from even three weeks ago, we're getting really excited about Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and Rashad yeah. White and even Baker Mayfield if we're playing showdown. The problem is, is the – offense we've seen over the last two weeks with Baker Mayfield very clearly injured. And so I, I want to throw that out there. Baker Mayfield is very clearly injured. He didn't, they didn't have an official practice on Wednesday, but he did not practice in what the kind of time that media was able to watch it. So he's very clearly injured, got a rib injury, got an ankle injury. I wonder if that's just going to be too kind of too high a bar for them to jump to beat even this Eagles offense that hasn't been as good over the last few weeks against this Eagles defense that hasn't been good at all throughout the entire season. If Baker Mayfield just can't do it, if he's just not healthy enough, if he's the Baker Mayfield we saw against the Panthers, then maybe the Eagles just get lucky here. They're able to get through the next round and, and able to kind of stop the bleeding because that that's kind of the way I see this going. If Baker Mayfield isn't, you know, healthy enough to to be what we saw maybe through that that late part of the season i mean this game i got i've got really nothing we, we, we these teams we don't know any like who's practicing and who's not we well we know who's going to be on the field for the bucks but like we don't know anything about aj brown yet we don't know we don't have any information we're assuming like, we're recording this on thursday morning by the way if you don't listen to us live you can go to youtube and listen to us live we're recording this on thursday morning the only news we have on aj brown is he got an mri yesterday and they seem to be happy about it Yes. What does that uh, mean, though? No, I don't know. No one knows. <laughs> Provocative. But uh, that's that's it, man. Like we don't know anything. Going. Yeah, we know that it, Jalen Hurts is going to play with his finger injury. Uh, we don't know anything about Devontae yeah. Smith, right? Like Devontae Smith is yep. probably going to play, like maybe play. But like, do either of these Eagles wide receivers practice at all before Monday? No, I do. We don't know. Probably not. Like if we're we're if we're betting on it, they probably limited at best uh so like we have that so we're flying blind in that capacity like this eagles team has already not played good like the final six weeks of the season so are they going to be able to take advantage of a bucks team that we've kind of picked on like this is just like the same thing like right like these offenses stop each other right it's not about like oh well, how do the eagles stop the bucks and how do the bucks stop the eagles like they've been stopping like they've been stopping each other i mean the buccaneers have beaten one playoff team this year as the Packers. These teams played earlier in the year. It was the fewest yards the Bucs had in a game all season. Uh, they're one of the worst teams in avoiding third downs, even though they're one of the worst running early down teams. They have the Bobby Slowick factor here. Dave Canales keep, loves. Keep running on first runs. down, Dave. Keep running on first down, Dave. It's going to work out, I promise. Keep trying it. Yeah, I mean, it's just one of these things. Like, it's it's a really gross game. It's hard to kind of handicap. I mean, objectively, you would say, like, this isn't how the Eagles – story ends the season right like they're able to rally versus this 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 buccaneers team right but like they just are so injured and banged up and they haven't playing good football like if they were upset like how much would you really blink uh, eventually though like the problem i have with this game in totality is that i don't want either of these teams to move on i actually have that in my notes 
in my notes is can both the Rams and Lions go through and we just get rid of both of these teams? Because I would be very okay with that with that outcome. Whatever happens in the Ram and Rams Lions game, let's just let both of those teams go through, play next week, and we'll just get rid of both the Bucks and Eagles. I, I'm fine with it. Nick, I'm very I mean, okay with it. In the Bucks went to the uh, Eagles went to the Super Bowl last year and they still have a lot of core elements of that Super Bowl team. And you would say, like, all right, we're not gonna fit. But like this iteration of the Eagles, it's hard to, to support them going into Dallas at any point or going to San Francisco at any point and believing they're going to win those games. Yeah, I just, I have no faith. And obviously no we're not thinking the Buccaneers to beat either of those teams. What I will tell you, if Baker Mayfield was healthy, like if it was the Baker Mayfield of three weeks ago, I'd pick the Bucks in this game. Like I would, because the this Eagles is another one you mad. talked about, like Dolphins Eagles though, or Dolphins Chiefs, like this total feels too high. Yeah it's, yeah, it's definitely too high with all the injuries the Eagles have with the, like you say, the continual uh, stopping of themselves of both of these offenses. Yeah, it feels too high. But then again, both of these defenses are bad. I will say the Bucks defense has been better um, as of late. I, I guess I say better. I guess the, the Saints ran over them two weeks ago, but I don't think the Bucks defense has been what it was for those like what five weeks after their bye when we were just attacking, attacking, attacking. They've gotten a little healthier. I don't think they're quite that bad. But yeah, I uh I think it's I think the total's high. But just a Monday night game that like it's is anybody healthy? Uh is anybody gonna score? Is it just gonna be a repeat of that other game that they've already played that that game was boring as well? That game was a night that was one was that one of the two Monday night game ones? I think, I think that I think that was a Thursday game, right? I I I have vivid memories of that game being on split screen and me never ever Maybe sending the sound over to Bucks Eagles. I I just have memories of that. Yeah, I I, I really struggled. It was a, yeah, it was a Monday game. night game. It was a Monday night game. We're running it back. Was it the two? Was it the two yeah. Monday night games that week? Yeah, yeah, I had this memory. It was like because I had it split screen. I don't remember what the other game was, but I never moved like until the other game was over. I did not move the sound, the little sound box on YouTube TV over to Eagles Bucks. It was just boring. Like the whole thing was boring. And that's I think that's kind of where we are. But I do want to say this about the Eagles. And like I have to go out and say this. This team, and you mentioned it, this team was in the Super Bowl last year, and so many pieces of that team exist. Uh, maybe the two best coaches on the staff aren't there anymore, and maybe that's the problem we have. And maybe that's a conversation we'll have in the offseason about that. But so many pieces of this team still exist that if Jalen Hurts gets hot as a passer and A.J. Brown is healthy enough and Devontae Smith is healthy enough and they actually start trying to score points and moving quickly in the first half and getting teams into a negative situation so it allows their pass rush to do what it needs to do and makes their defense look better, would I be shocked if they come out and like blow the bucks out and really look good in this game? No, because that's obviously within this team. We just haven't seen it for so long that it's just, it's hard to make a case that that's what we're going to get out of this Eagle squad. Yeah. It was your argument with the chiefs, like, you know, of, of being able to turn it on, like what evidence, like we just can't get like, we're 19 weeks into the season. Like we can't just say like, it's going to happen. Yeah. There's no evidence that, that that's what we're going to get. I, I don't like that. We ended on this downer. Do you want to talk more about the Rams yeah. and lions? Yeah, listen, Rams. I, as someone who like got like bullied into all these plans on Saturday, and like is just hoping these Saturday games like don't run out because I'm gonna be like on the run. I'm really hoping Sunday's incredible. Yeah, we're looking, we're looking for. I'm glad. Oh, so you missing Saturday? You're getting the two two seven matchups 
And so all of your hopes of a good weekend rely on this Sunday night game between yeah. the Rams and the Lions. Yeah, they rely on me playing that three-game slate. Because I, I don't think I'm going to play much of the two-game slate. I'll probably fire some, like, real large field stuff just to yeah. have a lottery ticket that, that I expect not to get recoup any funds on. But I'll probably fire a lot of unique lineups on the Sunday slate. Yeah, I do think you get fun with it, especially because there are those like blowout potentials that I don't know. You know, you're probably going to get. I love the idea of Josh Allen one off, like not even stacking him because even in the snow, like you might get rushing stuff and like then you just like, yeah, you just rush for three touchdowns. Exactly. And then you kind of build him around the good receivers. Uh, I think if you play on FanDuel versus DraftKings, Rico Dowdle becomes interesting because he's only 5K on FanDuel, whereas 4,600 on DraftKings, he doesn't get you a lot. But he gets you access to another third receiver on FanDuel where he doesn't on DraftKings. And like that's interesting because you just need like no running backs to blow you out of the water on Sunday, which is definitely in the realm of possibilities when you look at all the matchups. So like he becomes interesting as like a punt play where you can just get access. because There's some awesome wide receivers on the Sunday slate. You keep trying to convince me to play more on FanDuel. And every time I go over there to play, there are just like three contests available. This fit like FanDuel doesn't seem to care about DFS anymore. And it's every time I go over there, I'm like, the pricing's good and I like these contests, but there's like six of them available. It's like the early days of Yahoo DFS. So you're like, oh, how many contests are there here? Sleeper, by the way, have you seen that Sleeper's trying to get into like the, no, the, the daily draft game? stuff? No, I have not. Yeah, they, they sent me a – I got a little push notification. They're getting into it. Everybody's into it. Have you been drafting underdog playoff teams? I know we're just extending. I haven't, I've, been drafting, I've been drafting DraftKings one. I haven't drafted underdog ones yet, okay. but I'm going to start doing that, and I'm going to play some FFPC as well. We actually have a good article from Curtis Hirsch about strategy for FFPC and uh, his thoughts on all the, the playoff teams Love over at sharpfootballanalysis.com. I'd recommend going and reading it. The strategy uh, – the strategy part of it especially is interesting. Kind of his thoughts on each team are really good. So Curtis Hirsch, Sharp Football Analysis, uh, make sure you go and read that. Head over there. You can learn about our postseason package. Use promo code WILDCARD to get um, 75% off the first week of our postseason package. If you do the weekly one, go and check that out. You can also use Take 50 for $150 off the whole postseason package if you want to do that. As always, you can find us on YouTube. If you want to listen to us live, head over to YouTube.com. Search Warren Sharp, and you can you can find that. And that's about it for us. We'll be back next week to talk about Super Divisional Round. Are we calling it Super Divisional Round? We'll be back next week to talk about the Super Divisional Round. Uh, we'll talk to you then. <laughs>